Hi, welcome to the Bonding Time Podcast. This is Lou. Thanks for joining in today. We catch up with my friend Becca Hefner, and she does some storytelling of the just growth and transition and change that she has walked through in the last years. And it was a really fun conversation. We covered a lot of ground. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm Becca Hefner. Um, my husband is the lead pastor at Faith Center Church here in the Grand. Um, I have three daughters, um, and they're all just crazy and wonderful. Um, my days right now um, <laughs> really just uh, are me. I'm pretty much just flying by the seat of my pants all day, chasing my 16 month old who is just, she was like the easiest baby, but she is a menace right now. She's Mm -hmm. happy, Mm -hmm. but she is just so able. Like she is always climbing up on the counters or, you know, especially with right now where, you know, the girls are doing online school. Yeah. And she's always, you know, trying to She's always interrupting their classes and um, trying to type on their computer. And (laughs) so she's, yeah, she's like, if she sees a door that's left open Uh, to a place that she's not supposed to go, she bolts. And so, yeah. That's adrenal fatigue for you. I feel that on a deep level. My third is exactly (laughs) like that. She's just super happy, easy baby and then she got mobile and it was like I don't know if I've even still recovered she's really intense kid and um just was an escape artist I remember like taking a shower a couple times different times and she'd pull like a chair over and climb up and unlock the deadbolt and then neighbors would bring her home because I thought she was like (laughs) in her bed while I was showering so she was a bolter and a climber and really fearless and I (laughs) <laughs> she got to be about three and I was like I'm broken like I'm just yeah. she's just intense but she's so fun and like probably our funnest but our most intense kid like it's, oh gosh it's a change how old is she now she's three three and a half. Oh, she is okay yeah oh. yeah so yeah that's I mean it's really fun so your other two are how old five and Sayla will be seven um, in October. So there's, yeah. So yeah, Sayla and Ezra are, um, 18 months apart and then Ezra and Hazel are four years apart. So we, yeah. (laughs) I'm about to have a four year gap. It's, it feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for you. It's exciting. Thank you, Becca. That makes me mortified. I'm not sure how I feel. (laughs) Um, so I, I, first of all, I, I know I didn't even like send you this to prep, but I kind of want to back up a little bit before your babies and your, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your like Africa days and then, oh, yeah. um, just how that's like changed you into like who you are now. And yeah, and I just, I feel like I would be missing something if I didn't weave that into your story. Cause it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I started when I was actually at your church. Uh, so Calvary, um, your guys is, you know, your parents' church and everything has played a huge role in my life. I feel of, of just who I am today as, as a, um, as a Christian, um, or with my relationship with the Lord. Um, 
But when I was like 16, I felt there was a missionary that came to the church and um, uh, they were talking about, it was with, I don't know if it was foraging ministries or what, but they were, you know, they talked about the LRA and how um, the LRA was going into these villages and um, taking children to raise them up as, um, what's it called? Um, uh, kids, sh shoulders, shoulders soldiers <laughs> that word is so, so yes <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's yeah it's definitely the word not me um <laughs> but yeah so that was kind of like my introduction to Uganda and I really didn't want to go mm. but um I really just slowly felt the Lord um changing my heart to go and so when I was 19 um I went, I, um, went by myself and the first, you know, I had never been on a plane before. Um, when I got there, it was midnight their time. Um, and I pretty much was just sobbing. It was a three hour drive from the airport to Jinja. So I landed in Entebbe and then from Entebbe to Jinja, which is where the orphanage was. I, I ended up, um, getting in contact with Amani baby cottage mm -hmm. and uh, staying with them for about three and a half months while, you know, serving with um, different ages of kids. And so um, that experience, I think it definitely opened my eyes to the world outside of La Grande, Oregon. Sure. And, um, and definitely, um, I'm not like a, it's kind of maybe sounds terrible, but I'm not really a kid that, or a person that, like, I love kids. I love to hang out with kids, mm -hmm. but I'm not necessarily like, um, I, I guess I, I really, want to be, um, kids that have, you know, that don't have parents or kids that are hurting. I, that's more where I feel sure. like my, you know, heartstrings. But yeah, I, I was really struck by how you were really up close and personal with death and like your stories of that shook me. Mm -hmm. when you like came home and would tell stories or post something online and you seemed comfortable with it. Were you comfortable with it? Um, at the time, well, yeah, I, f I feel like, so there is, um, a kid that I ended up taking care of that, um, was just riddled with tumors and he, I was comfortable during the time. Like I, f I feel like I know when, when there's like an emergency or things that, um, or death, like I feel like God is always, always in the midst of it. And he yeah. gives you, you know, what you, um, what you need to walk through that. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely now I'm kind of realizing, I think that maybe that I have some, um, some, uh, I don't want to say not PTSD, but I have like some, 
pretty big fears of like my children walking through something like that mm-hmm. or dying. Um, but yeah, during that time, um, you know, I, um, I worked with the kids and then a kid came in that was super sick and I, um, I, I had actually just a couple months before I left for Uganda, I had taken care of a really good friend of mine who was, um, he had a, a brain tumor. And so me and Cameron, um, my husband, um, we weren't even dating at the time, but we were just a core group of friends that kind of came around our friend that had passed away. Um, and we were, we were, we took care of him. He really, he didn't have much of a family. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we kind of ended up being his, uh, primary caregivers. Right. And so then when I went to Uganda, um, it was kind of the same thing where there was a, a, a little boy that came in that was, um, terminally ill and we I kind of just said you know I just took care of my friend who had cancer and I know I know what to expect um I I feel like I could I could take care of him so that's I ended up instead of working with um all the other orphan kids I just took care of we called him Walter Mm -hmm. and I just took care of him and um it was like I said, like the Holy Spirit was so powerful there. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the presence, um, especially, you know, the night that Walter died, um, I could tell by his breathing and, um, just, just, I, you know, there's just things that, um, I don't really know how to explain it, but, you know, you can kind of tell when a person is going and, um, so I just sat next to him and, um, yeah, the Lord was so sweet in that time with me yeah. and gave me verses. And, um, so yeah. Well, I totally know what you mean. There's been moments where I've like been up against like dreaded fear uh, and like mm-hmm. dreaded death and it's really sweet and actually peaceful yeah. It's kind of like afterwards. Yeah. Even years exactly. afterwards that things hit you and you're like, oh, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to take care yeah. of my mind because that made a really big mark on who I am for better and for worse, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so moving forward, I remember you after you were married actually going back. And I thought that was yeah. such a significant decision. Most yeah. husbands wouldn't be like, okay, uh, <laughs> there you go back to Africa. And that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. No, Cameron, well, even the first time, um, like I said, we weren't dating yet. Um, well, we had started dating right before I went in 2009 and he was one of like the main pushers for me to go. And, yeah. and then again with, um, in 2012, we had been married for about a year at that point, And he was like, super, you know, gung ho about it. And he actually got to come up um, and visit me for about a week. And oh. <laughs> he is, he pretty much like he watched um, 
Blood Diamond, which has, um, you know that show, I don't, Yeah. it has um, Leonardo DiCaprio in it, and he pretty much, when he got off the plane, pretty much, like, engulfed Leonardo DiCaprio, like, (laughs) took up all his mannerisms, and was just, like, yeah, let's go here, and kind of, like, you don't go anywhere at night, and, or else you'll get stabbed, Mm -hmm. Um, and he, I, there are many times where I'm like, okay, we need to go back. And he's like, oh, I'm good. You know, and um, anyway, <laughs> I have so, watched Blood yeah. Diamond, so I'm fine. That's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so. really neat. And that's, that's really, um, I don't know, those experiences leading up to like our mundane everyday life mm-hmm. are a really big part into who we are, even if we kind of forget it once we're like, you know, wiping butts and doing dishes. It's yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, those things like shaped me and my reaction, yeah. my emotions and, and my heart, all the things. So I think yeah. that's cool. Um, so you've had just a really casual um, last couple of years. You took over a <laughs> church and then a pandemic swept through. So yeah. I mean, no big deal. So describe yeah. what that's kind of been like um, for well, you. You know, it has affected me, um, but I feel like in some ways I've kind of just coasted through, and I don't actually think that that's great, and I, um, you know, when you kind of get stuck in like that, just kind of lukewarm spot of just, mm-hmm. um, so I've, I've kind of felt like that, um, when we first took over, it was actually, it was, I, it was not the best of, um, there was kind of a church split. Um, so a harder and, transition. Yeah, so it was a hard transition. Um, yeah. And that actually was really a precious time for um, our marriage because we really did have to just, we just dived into the Lord and, and, and to each other. And so, um, you know, we were just fully leaning on God and, um, like, I feel like me and my husband are, we're always better (laughs) when we're like, when there's like a, when we're, like a uh, thing going on like yeah like <laughs> we work we work well together like that yeah. um and so it, it really actually was I feel like it was it was really stressful but it was mm-hmm. also really growing for our marriage and um so that was it that was pretty incredible um and then I actually I had so he took over in February mm-hmm. um and I had Hazel two months later and, um, and so really the next year I, I was just kind of fully engulfed in, you know, um, tending to her mm-hmm. and then COVID hit basically a year after, um, Cameron took over. So, um, that was an adjustment in just figuring out, okay, how do we do church? How do we honor, um, people who, you know, how do we honor the rules and regulations and still make sure that we are, um, getting, um, 
I want to say protein, but getting um, stuff out to the congregation, you know, and, sure. um, and, you so know. you have to be really innovative in that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. maybe just think of new ways. I've actually seen, like, from tuning into your church's podcast and stuff, mm-hmm. I really, I think it's so valuable how creative your church has become and how yeah. like, you guys really want to be a good example and serve the town and not just be, yeah, about your own agendas and yeah. your own business. So that's really cool. That's mm, Thank you. Yeah. We have a pretty... We have a a really awesome team. Um, I'm not super involved in, um, like I'm involved more just kind of um, having younger moms over at my house or things like that, but I'm not really involved in like, um, you know, church meetings or things like that. Sure. But um, our team is, uh, is pretty awesome and um, they're all really creative and, and Cameron's very creative as well. So it's, it's cool to get to see them kind of stretch their wings, I guess. And in a yeah. sense of, you know, what do you think that your strengths are like specifically apart from your husband's? I'm not gifted in preaching or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But when I feel like I can, I, my strengths are probably more with, um, uh, I don't want to say counseling, not that, but just like walking people through things. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like I do have a pretty, um, good discernment of, of, um, where people are at. Um, I'm obvious, I'm awkward with talking with people, but I think that's kind of a good, like, it's kind of disarming for people. So I think people most of the time feel they're not intimidated by me because I'm pretty just, yeah, you know, um, what you see is what you get. And so, uh, yeah, that's been, that's cool. I think that's related <laughs> in ministry, just being a presence next to someone, making mm-hmm. them feel seen and not, you don't have to be like the dynamic voice in the room that yeah. it's like, Hey, I'm next to you. Sometimes even telling someone like, I don't really know what to say, or I don't know how yeah. to do this, but just being with them is like, yeah. I think it's such a almost sometimes forgotten sight of Jesus, that Emmanuel piece of just sitting with someone and being there with them. Yeah, I would agree. And I think <laughs> that's actually, um, often my, uh, verbiage is I don't, I have, I have no idea, you know, the right words to say, but, um, I can sit here and, you know, be with you, but. Like if you looked back two years ago to now, mm-hmm. what would you say? Just one thing off the top of your head that is different about you. Honestly, um, I'm always, so I don't want to like sound like I'm bragging on myself or anything like that, but I feel like I am more confident in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's actually even in more of just like, I'm confident in the fact that it's okay that I don't know what I'm doing and, or it's okay that 
Like there are things about myself that I'm realizing too that I don't, I don't really like. And I think I've always tried to not be a certain way, but now I'm realizing, I think that's just who I am and I just need to embrace it and love myself regardless of, you know, if I'm maybe high maintenance in this area or whatever. Um, Oh, that's so so good. That's really (laughs) valuable. I wish more people said that. Um, so then what are your ways? I sent this to you earlier, but just like ways that you are learning to be like, to have healthy boundaries. We've talked a little bit about it. Also be like available to people. And I know you've done like foster care and stuff. So I know a high level of availability. So how do you like in any of these situations, like maintain some, um, boundaries for yourself, your own mental health? Um, I love meeting with people. Um, and it's not necessarily like, Oh, I, this person, I, I don't want to them to take my time, but it's like, if I know that, um, my girls haven't, you know, that they maybe need me, like maybe it's been a stressful couple of days and then someone wants to hang out with me. I really like to one know what is expected of me from them. And I also, I'm kind of almost an over communicator to the point where it's awkward, where I kind of am forward of like, well, this is what I, I, I like to know, I like to tell them what I expect as well. Just, Mm. I don't know. I just feel, I feel like I can relax once we know, like if we're on the same page, like if they're wanting to, you know, have my full attention and I can't really do that because I have the girls, then I definitely try to make it, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to make it work, but maybe have, you know, like, well, I'll get a babysitter or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe Cameron can like do it on a day that Cameron doesn't have that he's home, you know? Um, Do you think you're in, uh, um, in tune with yourself where you know where you're, you know, when your like tank is running dry and you just know it's like time? Yeah, I definitely, I think, yes, definitely. I, I, I can, for the most part, I think I, sometimes I might not identify it and I might, you know, get, I feel like my, when I'm tired, my response is just very short and angry all the time. <laughs> like, um, I'm, I am not a very happy, tired person, you know, like, yeah. Um, like Cameron's a night owl. And mm-hmm. as soon as I get, you know, as soon as it's like 10 o'clock, I am pretty tanked and I'm, and you can tell, and I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm grouchy. Um, and so I definitely can tell, and I, I will, um, try to kind of like plan almost a, I don't, you know, it's kind of, it's not like I'm um, having, I don't, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is me right now. So I need to do this and this and this. It's Mm -hmm. kind of more just a natural of like, I'm tired tomorrow. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to try to refocus with the kids and 
you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to have someone over. I don't want to meet with someone, you know. So I, that's kind of how I kind of monitor it, I guess. I do go in these ebbs and flows of every day there's something and I might be aware of it, but I just kind of push through and then I might have a week of like, I'm not talking to anyone. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> yeah. That's really I, good. I relate to that. Although I wish I would have found it out about myself sooner. <laughs> way too many years just feeling uh, really drained and scattered. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. like, I'm not listening to my body. I'm not listening to my kids even mm-hmm. I'm just trying to like run at this pace. That's not realistic. Something I feel like the Lord is, I've really been kind of working and, um, I guess processing a lot this year and, and, and probably the last, like the last two or three years, um, a thing that has been on my heart a lot is like people, when you're in relationships, their relationships are messy. Like there's really, if you're in a, a relationship that is, um, real, um, for the most part, there's, it's going to be messy. Um, and, and you have to kind of learn to, um, not, I I feel like a lot of times people, um, and, and it's, I don't want to like be negative about the church, but people with, especially in church, for some reason, like if something, if someone rubs you the wrong way, then all of a sudden, you know, you're, that person is a terrible person or I don't, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but like, I feel like, um, just kind of realizing that just because maybe you had an encounter with someone that is, that was bad, it doesn't mean that that's their everyday life. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I know, encounters that I've had where I'm like, I was probably a total jerk to that person. Um, and I hope that they can, you know, see me differently than what I just displayed to them. Um, so I'm not, I don't know if I'm really getting to a point, but that's kind of been a big thing in our life as like being in ministry, you, you're with people. It, it can become really messy and you do kind of have to be able to, if I did take up every offense and there has been times where I have been like that, where I'm, you know, unhealthy and just taking on offense after offense after offense. Um, it's really, really just, it's really dangerous and it's really uh, detrimental. I want to remind you guys and talk to you guys about the creative sailor retreats. My good friend Amanda Twilliger and I have been loving every second of the community that's been building up with us as we do these events. There is a fall one coming up with just one or two spots left. Message me if you want to jump in on that last minute. And we are also starting planning for the spring sailor. We're passionate about creating and holding a space for you, for rest, for inspiration, for clarity and creativity. If you want to know more, please message me 
and I hope to have you join us. Um, I can hold myself back from things because of fear of doing it wrong. Okay. Um, and that's kind of something that I've been realizing the last couple of years is, is I won't um, do something because I'm afraid one, it will take too much of my energy. Um, or I know if I do this, it's going to take my energy and I'm not going to do it well. So I, I don't, hmm. I don't want to commit to things, I guess. Yeah. That makes and perfect sense. Yeah. It's not it's, a good thing, but. Well, I, it's the honest yeah. thing. Uh, I think everyone can relate to that. If yeah. that was not a factor and you knew you were going to be like an Olympic gold medalist at something, what would you, <laughs> what's something you would do right now? Oh, <laughs> um, like as far as like a sport or something. Anything. No. Anything you thought about trying, but you're like, oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I would love to do like a MMA or, you know, like an MMA fight. Um, I know you're yeah. like a <laughs> master. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, your sister and Sarah can kick my butt, but yeah, I, I love jujitsu. Um, it has done something for me that has, it's given me some confidence, a lot of confidence actually. And just like my body and even like, this is kind of a silly thing, but just like being okay in my body, like it's okay that I'm sweating and maybe I'm sitting on a mat, you know, and I leave <laughs> a butt sweat mark because when you're with every, people in jujitsu, everybody is sweating like mm -hmm. an insane amount. So, um, yeah, I, I really like it. It's been, it's been really cool to like challenge my body and myself, um, to that. So yeah, I would probably want to do like a fight. Um, that is cool. and just like, yeah. <laughs> right. okay. Um, can I ask you really quick about your, your experience with, um, anxiety, depression that was mostly, was that mostly postpartum? Yeah, I, well, I would say a lot of it I see since I've had started having kids. Um, my I had a big with my second daughter. Um, she was very. Looking back, I can see that I was starting to have these anxiety, these anxious things going on. But when she was born, she I mean the first night we had her, she screamed the whole night. And I remember just like buzzing the hospital nurse and like, is like, what's wrong? Like, mm -hmm. you know, can you, what, what do we need to do? And they were just kind of like, you know, she's just crying, mm -hmm. but that pretty much lasted for about four months where she would, was just cranky all through the day. But then also from like midnight to five in the morning, she would just scream. And there is something about like it's the fact like I don't like dealing with a, a screaming baby that's like arching or um there's just something so detrimental to of that like and not being able to care for them and not being able to sue them um just 
you know, I felt like a failure kind of. And, um, and with that every night, just having, I now look back, I can, and I can realize like I was having panic attacks, um, all throughout the day. If I, you know, if I thought about the night to come, no, and knowing that she was going to scream all night, I would have, you know, these attacks. And then when night would come, I would, like, I knew it was silly, but I felt like I was not going to be able to make it through the night. I felt like I was going to die. And, um, which sounds so dramatic, but it really was just like this. I, I didn't think I could make it. Um, something that was probably like the worst advice that I could hear, but also the best, like it was the worst hearing, but the best thing for me was my mom told me, like, I kept thinking like, what, what do I need to do? How do I fix this? And she was just like, you know, Becca, this is, this is colic, like she's colicky and no one can take it from you, but you, like no one can take this from you. And you kind of just need to bear down and, you know, take it day by day. And it did actually end up becoming a very sweet time where I just, okay, today's going to, tonight's going to be, you know, she's going to cry for five hours and I'm not going to sleep. And I'm, I just started listening to um, worship music during that time. And um, it, God definitely met me there and um, yeah. And slowly she grew out of that. Um, but that did make a, I was pretty fearful of having a third child. And so there is a big gap between um, Hazel and Ezra. And when we decided to try for a third um the conversation basically was I, we need to be aware of my mental state. And I, I, if, if it does look like I'm going to go down a path of depression and anxiety, um, I need to get help because with, with Ezra, I never got on on any antidepressants or anything to help me. And I really wish that I had, um, Cause I do think it kind of hurt my relationship with her um, in the beginning because I was just so overwhelmed and so anxious that I just could never turn off and just relax. Um, and so I, I really wish that I had gotten on something, but there, it, it was partly pride and just, you know, not, I don't think that we should just turn to, um, medications willy nilly, mm -hmm. but I do think that, that, um, there are times that it is, it is a medical need. And, um, uh, if it can help, you know, I think it's, it can be a very healthy thing to get on an antidepressant mm -hmm. or anxiety medication if, if it is, you know, needed. And so with Hazel, um, we were pretty prepared to, mm -hmm. for that to happen. Um, and actually she was, I didn't have any postpartum depression with her. It was awesome. Um, and she was just like a super chill baby, 
but then when I think I just have a lot of hormonal issues and, but also I do, I do have, I am kind of an anxious person and I need to be able to talk through, you know, anything that I'm anxious over and, but, um, uh, once I had gotten my cycle back with Ezra or Hazel, like around six months, mm-hmm. I started noticing these kind of flare-ups of just like extreme overloadedness of just like always being, you know, um, in this high of constant alert and anxiety and not being able to really shut down um, and not being able to really even engage in my kids because it was a super overwhelming. Um, and it was kind of out of fear. Like I, like I didn't, I felt like I was, I, I could start to like, not, I mean, like I could start to damage my kids in that because I was so disconnected. I couldn't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just, at like noon, I was falling asleep because I was so anxious and my body was so worn out that I was, I couldn't hardly, I was just so, so tired. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, because I was aware and, you know, we had kind of foreplanned to watch my mental state, I guess. Um, I had a conversation with Cameron and, and decided to get on something that would help with my anxiety. And, and also it kind of, it, um, I think it's both. I think, um, it is kind of an extreme, um, hormonal thing, but I, but then I also do think I have, I am more anxious. So it's just, it, it really helped level me out to, to back to normal basically. Um, so uh yeah that's so good and I think what you there's so much power in just telling telling stories like that because um it kind of gives permission to someone else to raise the right white flag and be like Mm -hmm. I need some help and it doesn't label you or make you weak or whatever it makes you it's just a small season that you need some help through you know Mm -hmm. I yeah I really love that. And there's times that I wish I would have, uh, yeah, you just look around and you're like, everyone else is rocking it. Why am I like yeah. dying right now? And yeah. I wish I would have, um, had a plan in place. I think that's so smart to have like a pre-plan going into something like, you know, me and like help me watch my mental state and care for it. Mm-hmm. Like I would my body or a member of our family or whatever. That's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to wrap it up by asking you, I always ask people, especially this time of year, like what they are like to watch and what they like to eat. <laughs> Because those are things I like to do. <laughs> um, we have been watching a lot of what? Or read, I guess that's. Oh, it. well, this is kind of. I am a. I 
love Harry Potter, actually. I'm pretty, like, um, I kind of will listen to the books on tape as, like, just a, um, down, like, if I'm cleaning. Yeah. But, um, right now what I am, uh, we're, we're watching a lot of, um, Alone. It's like a survival thing. Cody loves it. Okay. Yeah, that's, we like that. Right now I'm kind of like, I don't really want to get in. I think both me and Cameron are like, we don't really want to get into something that's super, um, like emotional or, yeah, um, you know, so, so we're just kind of watching really light shows. I have a, it's not like a coffee maker, but it's, it's a Keurig that you can froth milk and pull, kind of make a shot. Mm -hmm. And so I am, this is so bad, but I am drinking like a iced Breve drink out of that, like every day. Why is that bad? That sounds so light. (laughs) It is, it is. (laughs) 